All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Chat and Learn here with Power to Fly. My name is Marielle, and I'm super excited to introduce our guest speakers today. I had the pleasure of chatting with them last year. So it's just, we were offline talking about how time is flying, especially now in 2020 with all of the crazy things happening in the world. So I just want to first start by saying thank you, everyone, for joining us live. Uh, we know that your time is precious and that, you know, the, the world of technology is really challenging us these days. So um, I thank everyone for taking the hour out of their time uh, to chat with us. Uh, and without further ado, I just want to go over some housekeeping rules before I introduce our guest speakers so that everyone maximizes this time. Uh, so I really encourage everyone to turn your cameras on, um, you know, come off of mute when you feel like you want to share something or when you want to laugh or cry. Uh, I put everyone on mute upon entrance just to avoid any background noises. Um, I know we're all sharing space and, you know, we, we just want to make sure that we can hear our guest speakers. But again, feel free to turn your, your cameras on and turn off mute uh, at any point want you to, to join the conversation. And then if anything is really sensitive and you want to be kept anonymous, you can write to me um, in my private uh, chat. You can just find me in the chat box under Mariella Marie. Uh, and then this is being recorded. So I know we're living at a time where everyone is multitasking. You know, they, everyone is a multitasking guru, I would even say. Um, but not now. We want you to be present. We want to hear your voice. We want you to come off of mute. So uh, this is being recorded. You can rewatch this later and take notes. So uh, without further ado, let's jump right into meeting our guest speakers. Um, this time will fly, as I said when I started this chat. So, you know, I'll let everyone know when we've got about 10 minutes left. Uh, but I do want you all to have a chance to meet our guest speakers, get to know about them, uh, and ask your questions live. So Carly, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're excited to share with us today. Yeah, um, the slide says most of it, but number one, I'm really uh, thrilled to be here. It's always really fun to, to be with Power to Fly, and of course you, Mariella, in particular, keeping me connected to Argentina and what's happening there. Um, I spent some time there in college, and um, I, with Laura, am the co-founder of uh, Crab Walk, where we help um, successful professionals navigate um, in our very non-linear sort of world um, their careers. And I also have the pleasure of serving as an entrepreneur in residence at MIT, um, at what's called the Martin Trust for MIT's um, Entrepreneurship. And um, there I get to coach a number of student entrepreneurs and run great programs and teach a class. And before that, my career has spanned the gamut of corporate, of government, of venture-backed startup. Um, so, so seen a lot and love working with everybody in this community. So very excited to be here. Awesome. Great. Okay, so Laura, let's jump, uh, pass the mic over to you. Tell us about yourself and what are you excited to share with us today? Hi, guys. Uh, uh, so similar to Carly, um, my what I want to share today is all the stuff that I learned in my own career and what I'm working with now. So I'll give you a context of that. But um, in a nutshell, I'm an executive coach, uh, but I come from having spent 15 years or so, 16 years or so in the startup space. So I was a general manager at a couple of startups. I got my MBA uh, like 10 years ago um, and, you know, was working in companies going from 25 people to 150 people and doing a lot of the operations and sort of growth in that. And about three years ago, I realized I was burnt out, um, really unhappy for reasons I could not pin down whatsoever, but just felt like I was in the wrong place. Um, but had no clear sense whatsoever of what to do next. And I did not, I've not had a predictable path to begin with. I was an engineering undergrad. I worked in real estate in Florida. I'm originally from Michigan. I went to school in Chicago. I worked in startups. Like I've never had a conventional path. 
Um, but even then I've just kind of felt lost about three years ago and I went through a, a, a process to figure out what I wanted to do. And it was very much soul searching and, and, and at the time realized how few resources are out there to navigate career transitions when you don't know what's next. You know, if you're sure you want to be a banker, you know, you can go to a lot of different resources on how to update your resume to be a banker. But if you're not 100% sure or you're dealing with NDL, like just kind of unpredictable circumstances or you're not sure how to clear your head, I just haven't found that there's a ton of resources. And so one that guided my own path to figuring out that I wanted to be a coach uh, as a way, that was actually something that I just, it worked out that I loved the work itself. So now I coach people through work transitions who want to be really intentional about their next step uh, and not just in work, but you know, life and work. Um, and in the process, Carly and I started Crabwalk, which is an outlet for both of us to bring what we've learned in a much more scalable way. And it's also just super fun for us to do these things. So we're very excited to see you and I see some friendly faces. And so hello, and very happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you both for taking time out of your busy schedules. Um, I forget how awesome you are and then have you introduce yourself like a year after speaking with you and it's like, yeah, these girls are great. Um, so I'm so happy that everyone is joining us here uh, to learn and grow together, um, especially in these crazy times. So if you're just joining us, go ahead and write in the chat box where you're calling from. If you have any background information you want to give as we walk through your questions that you all submitted offline, which are awesome questions, we're going to take them one by one. So, um, you know, go ahead and warm up the chat box now by dropping in where you're calling from and then any background information uh, that you want. Uh, us to know uh, so that we can really dive in deep on your questions here. So let's start with this first question. I'm just going to read it off the screen and then feel free, Carly or Laura, to, to take the mic. Okay, so when working in an office, you can organically strike up conversations in the hallway, break room, etc. In part because it is easy to see if someone is available for a casual conversation. These conversations can help foster positive working relationships. How can you mimic starting those conversations over Slack without being burdensome on coworkers. And I would add Slack and other forms of, you know, starting digital communities. So Carly, I see you nodding. Do you want to pick that one up? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think about this a lot because I am, maybe some of you relate to this. I am not a hundred percent work from home personality I have discovered. I really thrive on those serendipitous moments. I really thrive on number one sort of group activity and, and teamwork, but really sort of the physical energy of, of being in a place together with everybody. Um, I hate to like almost admit that because I do really love the freedom of working from home, but, but that's what I've learned about myself over this long period of time that I need at least a couple days in the office. And so I think about this a lot for myself um, because really what we're doing when we're having those conversations is we're nurturing relationships, right? We're, we're having touch points with people. We're learning about their day. We're learning about what's, you know, going on in their lives. What's a challenge, what's going well. And we're able to sort of maintain this relationship. And without that serendipitous environment, um, we have to create those moments for ourselves, which is an extra friction point. I would call it sort of in the relationship for some of us. And so I think about, okay, how do I actively stay in touch with people that I don't have those serendipitous moments with? Like, how do you stay in touch with your past colleagues? How do you stay in touch with your friends that you grew up with, with your family members, right? We actually do this in our lives all the time anyways. And so when we, when we think about how do we just maintain a relationship with somebody or a crab walk, we always refer to this as a nurturing activity or nurturing a relationship. 
first you think about, okay, number one, how do I like to interact with people? Do I like Slack? If you don't like Slack, like don't use Slack, right? Do you like picking up the phone? Do you like a text? Are you zoomed out? You know, think about like number one, what works for me? Because if the activity is not fun to you, that's more friction in the process of creating this moment. And then number two, you also have to put your head inside the other person, right? Like what do they like to do? Are they, do they have two kids that, you know, are under the age of five running around their house? Do they, um, are they in like rural Vermont with bad internet connection, right? Like think about sort of the environment, not only you are in and what you like, but also try your best. You know, obviously we all know some colleagues better than others, some friends better than others, but do your best to put yourself in the other person's shoes and then think, okay, you know, how can I actually make this interaction happen? How can I be helpful to them? What do I need help with? And then figure, you know, if you have those pieces, then the answer to that question gets a lot easier. So I will start there. But does that make sense, Mariella? Absolutely. And that's a great place to start. And it's already really chewy. I love that you're, you know, coming back to um, essentially being real with yourself, you know, and not kind of, you know, if you, like, I, if you don't like using it or if it's not organic or if you feel like it's taking, you know, time and energy to find what you're good at. Um, and I love that. Laura, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think Carly said like a couple things. I mean, she said everything I agree with. There's um, kind of tactically speaking, to pull some nuggets out of there. One, I think is literally do like a 15 minute audit of how you naturally already connect with people. So like put down a piece of paper, write on a journal, put it in an, an empty Google doc and write out like, when I'm connecting with people in my life already, what are the activities I'm doing? And you can also put a little thing at the bottom that's like, what are the things I hate? And be really honest with yourself. Like if you hate doing coffee chats, don't ever do a coffee chat. Okay. that's more personal but uh, <laughs> i think like you can think about it like what do you like to do the second thing i would say is you can actually write out and we and we call this our roster but you can write out the names of people that actually would be interesting for you to nurture and so you can like write out people that are in your uh company you can write out people that are in your the leadership of your company you can write out people that are in your industry you can write out people that you admire and actually give yourself a bit of a target list. So it's not feeling like, oh, I just have to be doing this activity. Like, oh, like who are the actual people that you would value to Carly's point, having serendipitous run-ins, even if you're not even totally sure why you want to be connected to them. And then I think the last tactical thing um, is to think about like, what are your own personal goals? Like if you were really well connected, if you were serendipitously meeting people, if you were naturally connecting, what would the value be to you? And you can, if you, and if that's not super clear, that's something you can like journal and brainstorm, or you can work backwards from like, what are my career goals and, and what would be helpful? Like, am I looking to make a change down the road and who could be helpful for that? Am I looking to get clarity on what I want next? Who could be helpful? And so once you kind of know where your goals are, you can go back to your roster and be like, who could be helpful? And then you can go back to your list of natural activities and be like, what kind of activity works well for both this person and for me? I love that. So let's put some of those things into practice now. So I see that everyone is dropping in the chat box where they're calling from. So I'm going to go ahead and give you all some shout outs. And then in the meantime, uh, if you want to put your preferred way of connecting in the chat box as well, so that if people want to connect with you, whether it be on LinkedIn or wherever it is that floats your boat, um, let's start putting some of these things into practice because this is like real time madness happening in the world. So, you know, want to just be on your team here. So we got folks representing from, we got Brooklyn, we got Chicago, Denver, Buenos Aires, Argentina, South Carolina, 
Chicago, Washington, the Bay Area, North Carolina, South, uh, uh, San Francisco, Chicago, Queens, Columbus, Ohio, Brooklyn, Cleveland, awesome New Hampshire, great. Uh, is San Francisco again. If you're just joining us, go ahead and drop in the chat box. Barcelona, nice. Where you're calling from, we really like to see the power of this digital community. And I used to say this before COVID, and especially now, the power of digital community is key. Um, so again, if you want to drop in the chat box, thank you, Nicole, for putting your LinkedIn and Devne as well. Uh, your preferred way of connecting so that we can start putting uh, what Carly and Laura are suggesting here into practice now. Uh, and as you're continuing to do that, let's move on to this next question here. So how can you continue to bring and build your company culture in the virtual community when you can't see or meet people? Who wants to go for that I, one? Go ahead. I will start this because I, um, I really love this. I love talking about this in times of virtual, you know, forced virtual connection, but also in person, because I think this is, you know, a question and a challenge most organizations have, frankly. And so... I think a lot of the time, um, what we don't do is sort of just look around in a really democratic way and say, who's already doing this? It's like, there's already people who you know, it's either yourself or a colleague you have in your mind who, you know, goes out of their way to say good morning to people or make sure that, you know, there's birthday cupcakes around or, you know, asks people to hang out after work or whatever sort of that, that company culture moment means to you. Um, so the thing that I think about is if you are one of those people, I would imagine that most organizations right now know that this is a challenge. And so I would encourage you to say, I love doing these types of activities. I want to lead a digital scavenger hunt, or I want to, you know, start a Slack channel with fun company games that people can join in at any time. Or I want to, um, you know, can I have a hundred dollars and send everybody like a fun get like fun hat that we can all wear on zoom together, like whatever that sort of activity is for you. If that's you, then ask, ask if you can ask if you can do something with that. I think every organization right now really is looking for, for moments like this. And it's a big challenge. I mean, the, the advantage that we all have right now, the democratizing thing about this new world is it's everybody's first time operating like this for the most part, unless you've always been part of a remote only organization, which certainly exists, you know, power to fly has a lot of remote employees. Um, but the majority of us, this is really the first time. I mean, I can tell you, I work from home typically two or three days a week, but working five days a week, it's like a whole new world. Um, so number one, if this is you, I encourage you to, to say, you know, raise your hand and say, I'd like to help with this challenge. And number two, if you're in a manager seat or you, you know, have some sort of um, ear to somebody that, that really can make this happen, I would encourage you to also say, you know, you know, Jennifer or Sam or Alex, you know, they really, they really do this type of thing already. Can we sort of unleash them and let them go at this and let them try something new and it might not work. But again, the, the interesting thing about this world that's constantly changing is I think we're all up for experimentation in a different way than we've ever been. So like use that momentum and, and that's, you know, that's positive momentum that you, we all have. That, that change is inevitable, that we're all experimenting, and that most of us are open to try new things, right? Everybody sort of had to try new things. Like nobody's usually seen my apartment this much in video. That's new. Uh, like nobody's, you know, nobody's had to see like my husband interrupt me or hear him over the phone. Like, and, and we're all pretty accepting of that change right now. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in this question right now. Absolutely. So much knowledge in that. And I agree a thousand percent. Uh, Laura, did you want to chime in on any of that? Uh, just, a, I mean, just 
um, two other thoughts on this. I think, you know, if you, um, if you had stuff pre-COVID at your organization then worked, I would go back and look at what it was that those activities were and also what it was about those activities that made them really great. So maybe you can't recreate the exact thing, but you could recreate something that it'll give you ideas of like, what was it about that that you really, really loved? Like, was it that coworkers got to showcase their personalities? Was it that it was kind of like off hours and work wasn't included? Was it that it was, you know, the chance for the leadership to like, really showcase the meaning and the value of their strategic plan to the organization and that you felt like you connected again. Like, what was it about it? And then how can you recreate it? And then the second thing I'll get is you can get creative. Like there's a ton of companies already doing things. So you can crowdsource, obviously you're doing that now with Power to Fly, but crowdsource with friends, crowdsource with, you know, like on the internet. And, and to Carly's point, it becomes, then becomes more a matter of, are you the one doing it because you're a culture carrier or are you, lifting up a culture carrier in your organization. Like I may not be the one who always recommends that we do a movie club where whoever wants to watch the movie this week then comes together and talks about it, but I would probably join if someone else did it. And it might just mean me going to someone who's a little bit more like willing to do that and being like, hey, Carly, I think a movie club would be good. What do you think? And she'd be like, yeah, that's great. I'm like, cool, can you, can you put that up? Can you like put them in the Slack channel? Like you might, you might have to like enable other people to actually get across the finish line. It's so good. So I, I, I believe in the power of language and I love the way that you all phrase things. Like, you know, I can't, I didn't, I wanted to be present so I didn't write anything down, but just like lifting each other up and you might have to encourage the other person versus like tell them, demand that, you know, it's like, let's pull on each other's strengths to lift each other up. Um, I love that. And I love that you're highlighting what are your strengths as well, because that gives a chance for everyone to shine in different ways. Um, and I think that experimenting, like you said, Carly, is key. And so it's easier to experiment when we can learn more about each other's strengths and pull each other up, you know, in, in those times where, you know, one person can't do a million things. Like this is a new way of working, like you're saying. So awesome. I'm loving everything that you're saying. So um, I want to also just applaud everyone for, for dropping in uh, their, their preferred ways of connecting here. I see a lot of LinkedIn uh, and also some emails. So again, this is how we're going to put the boat in motion. Um, and also, if anyone is interested in watching some great movies and talking about it together with your coworkers or with your peers, um, I'm hosting a series every Friday uh, called Lift Every Voice and Act. And it's talking about the black experience and how um, we can, you know, help develop the black narrative in our world, especially with all the things that are going on in the world and especially in the States. And we just, uh, we had someone who's been cast in a, in a new Aaron Sorkin film join last Friday. And she gave us some suggestions on movies to watch to just kind of learn more about the B side of history in the States and the world. And of course, a lot has to do with racism and like patriarchy and things like that. Um, fun, juicy topics to kind of also make a really intense situation that's happening a little more communal and a little lighter through, you know, movies. Uh, so I do love that, uh, Laura, you said, I might not suggest it, but I might participate, you know, because nobody's going to say like, hey, let's watch 12 Years a Slave, you know, if you don't want to like just be turning red. <laughs> Yeah. You should put, you should put the, the details of that in the chat um, and anybody else really that has stuff that they was like is in this world. Uh, I'd be happy to see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Okay, so let's move on to this next uh, question here. And I see that Nicole's online, so maybe Nicole, you can drop uh, more information on the chats in the box there. Um, okay, so when should I consider a career or company transition? When I can't grow my career further at my current company or I'm doing the work that's above my pay grade? Um, you want me to take this one, Carly? <laughs> I was gonna suggest, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's interesting because I think that the way that this question is phrased feels almost like external. Like, is there an external thing that is the right answer at which point to leave? Um, and I think that that's the other thing I would point to is like, it's, it's very much always, and I think should be an internal decision of like, basically there is no perfect time. There is no right time. It's more of like, is this position no longer meeting you where you are in your life now? So I have a philosophy that life is just a series of chapters. I'm not the only one who has this philosophy, but like life is a series of chapters and maybe your work was perfect for your last chapter. And now you're looking at the future chapter and it doesn't seem to quite fit and you don't know why. So the first thing I would say is like, <clears throat> you know, even looking at what it is that feels off or what it is that feels like it has you even consider it. And you know, these are two perfect examples. Like it could be that, you know, you wanna be someone who's more ambitious. You wanna be more challenged. You wanna advance in your career. It's important to you to have upward mobility in whatever format that takes. And you're not seeing how to get there within your organization. That could be a reason to change. That could also be a reason to, you know, see if you're exhausting all opportunities to do that within that company or in that career. Um, and the other one of like, I'm doing the work above my pay grade. That's another case of like, is there, can there be a conversation that's had internally to increase your pay, to increase your, your responsibilities? Like, it's clear that you've outgrown whatever you're doing. Like, what would the next chapter be? And can you create that at your current job? So to pull this back, I would say the first exercise I would do is to like visual this. I love I will say visualize probably four more times today. Like, it, you know, if you visualize your life two years down the road at a baseline, or you can do when you're 80 and looking back, you can do six months looking back, but it's just the concept of whatever time frame feels comfortable to like be able to be a little bit more in dreamland. Like in a dream world, what would I love to say about my work? And, you know, put a five minute timer, lie down on the couch, sit in, you know, sit Indian style, whatever. Sorry, not Indian style, but sit cross-legged. And like, see what your, uh, what comes to mind in that free open space. Don't worry about making decisions out of it. Don't worry about writing it down and acting on it, but just like what comes to mind in a dream world, six months or a year or two years down the road. And out of that, once you're done, you can do this more than five minutes. You can write down what comes to mind. Oh, I really would love to have more flexibility. Oh, I would really love to be doing more challenging work. Oh, I would really love to you know, I really don't like the relationship that I have with my boss. In my dream world, I'm actually having a much more like, you know, partnership type dynamic. So I think I would start there because then you'll start to identify what feels off and maybe what you want in your next chapter. And then you can see, is this doable in my current organization? And, and can I explore what this would be elsewhere? Yeah, um, the only yeah, I was just going to add one thing to that. So I really um, sort of along with the along the lines of the exercise that Laura just suggested, I find that writing this stuff down is really, really important, like really getting to understand what you love about your job and what you love less about your job. Because to Laura's point, these feel like external 
sort of criteria of a job that may or may not actually matter a ton to you right now, right? There might be some things that outweigh, you know, I'm doing the work that's above my pay grade, but I'm really excited. I'm really energized. I love the people I'm working with. I see that taking me somewhere in a couple of years, right? There's, there's a lot of give and take in our work. Um, and so another sort of framework that I like for all decision-making um, is a matrix. So if you write sort of like your options, like I can stay in this job, I can try to get a promotion, I can leave this job, and then all the different criteria that matter to you, I find that that helps you look a little bit more objectively at yourself and it helps sort of rebalance your mind away from external validation and what, like to Laura, what Laura was saying, what, what matters sort of in society and what matters to us or what people tell us it's supposed to matter to us and, and versus what matters to us. Because, you know, we have all different, you know, diff we, we have to reprioritize based on what's in our life today, right? Like your location matters less right now because nobody's anywhere, right? And in six months from now, if we're able to go back to work, that will become a different type of um, criteria on your decision matrix. So I, I, I guess, you know, to me, I do a lot of comparing against other people and comparing to people telling me what is supposed to be valuable in my work and how I'm supposed to be valued as an employee or a coworker. Um, but if I actually take the time to do it myself and try to lay it out as objectively as possible, which to me is in writing for me, um, that it helps me sort of rebalance my mind and, and make my own independent and objective uh, decision as opposed to really letting like external voices come in too much. I love that. And I, I guess to your point, now is the best time to, to do that, to even, you know, kind of take that leap of faith along with going with the, what the times are asking us to do. Um, I'm just going to flag a couple of things that people are writing in the chat box so that you all can keep uh, these folks in mind. They're just giving some background uh, on where they are today currently. So we've got someone, uh, Amy, especially looking for resources to help me pivot into the startup world from my corporate background. Um, I'll read another one up here. Um, Devne says, looking for a different career from special education, technology, teaching to business uh, or development or instructional design. Um, and then I'm just going to scroll down a little further. I know someone else here. Okay. Christina writes, uh, wanting to transition into an awesome company, uh, currently leveling up her skills by learning Python, uh, has a BFA degree in photography and specialization in painting and art history with experience in customer service. Awesome. So she's wanting to connect there. And again, if anyone wants to add more, uh, you know, about their background to this chat, we've got a little over 30 minutes left. So really, you know, want you all to use this time to share more, come off of mute, drop in the chat box, anything you'd like to know. Um, and until then, let's move on to the next question here. If this was your question that you see as well, feel free to, to join us and come off of mute. Okay, so the big question that everyone wants to know. <laughs> How to, stay how to stay motivated during career transitions in COVID. And I would even say, even in kind of like the, the slump part of your career, because maybe people are happy in their career, but it's just like these uncertain times and you know, a lot of pressure and maybe it's um, you know, having a residue or an effect on someone. So I'd like to just open that question up as well. Who wants to I take that one? Yeah, I'll start. So I think Perfect. the question, so this is a really big question and it's the right big question, but I think we have to really break it down. So the first question, and, and the second thing I'll just sort of, the way I'll phrase it before jumping into how to tackle this is, it's a really personal question. In fact, all of these questions are very, very personal. So that's why what we're suggesting a lot of our answers are going to be relying on, on some introspection because it really, if you try to take a, 
one size fits all approach, um, you will probably leave here more with more anxiety than, you know, calm. So that's, that's why we do it this way. Um, so what I would say is, what are you trying to do? <laughs> For some of us, it is trying to stay sane because we hate working from home or we hate not having connections, you know, to others and, and more physical situations. For some of us, we are trying to make a really big jump. Um, for some of us, we, you know, thought we were going to make a jump and, you know, things have changed. So I think the first question to ask is, you know, what are you really trying to do? And something that Laura and I find really helpful are putting sort of time against that. So what am I trying to do? Where would I want to be, to use Laura's words, in a dream world in six months? Okay, if I know where I want to be in six months, where do I have to be in three months to get myself on track for that? And then break it down even more. You know, where do I need to be a month from now? Or where do I need to be, you know, this time next week? And so when you break it into really um, specific and time-oriented goals, then number one, they become more clear about where you're aiming for and therefore more manageable and how to achieve them. And so the trick is if we can take these, if we know where we're going in the long run, which we would call our North Star, and then can back into it and really specific time-oriented goals, then we can start actually achieving those goals. And that achievement builds momentum and that momentum helps us stay motivated. But if you're just looking at like a big hairy goal, like I need to change, you know, I need to change jobs like yesterday, like that is not helpful, right? Like we might feel that and that might be fine. You can say that out loud, but then you have to do something with it. You can't just sort of wallow in it. Um, so I'll sort of stop there and let Laura chime in. Take it away, Laura. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like turning something bite-sized that otherwise feels so overwhelming. You just want to like check out and go, you know, do crossword puzzles. So <laughs> I think whenever you're feeling like it's too big, I think that this exercise of six months, three months, six weeks, two weeks is actually really helpful. I have found also in certain parts of my life, six months seems so crazy. Like I can't even picture it that I'm doing like a two week exercise. Uh, just because I can't see my way on the other side of COVID or I can't see my way on the other side of summer. Or I can't see my way on the other side of whatever. So there's no, there's no like one to, you know, Carly, there's no one size fits all of having to do that. Like if you even get to that point, it's just the concept of like part of motivation is like, are you even, are you even connected to the thing that you're working towards and are you overwhelmed or, or feel like it's impossible already? Therefore you can't start. Um, I would say the second thing is, uh, you know, we talk about this also around like setting yourself up for success. I think really tuning into what, how you generally stay motivated. So for example, I am someone who is, and I'll put something in the chat that I love. It's a quiz um, around how you deal with expectations, but I have found out that I do really well with external accountability. So I do really well if someone asks me to do something, whether it's a client or Carly or a family member, I feel intrinsically motivated to do that and to not miss that. Uh, so in cases where I feel like I'm being unmotivated in my own life, I will actually create accountability. So like, you know, for example, uh, Carly and I for crab walk, like we have a, a pre-planned meeting every Friday for crab walk. Even at, like if we didn't have that weeks, it could be that weeks go by where either I'm like working on 17 different things or I'm not doing anything. And then I start feeling like I'm so behind having like a, a, a once a week check-in with someone where I can come in and be like, Hey, reset. What are we trying to accomplish? What did, what are you doing? What am I doing? What do I want to do? And sometimes we use that time even for things that have nothing to do with crab walk. It can be 
life, it can be whatever. So maybe one tactic is you find a, a partner and I recommend always looking outside of your family and your immediate household, um, even though you can do that too. But for a lot of cases that we count on those people and they don't actually fit that role for various reasons. And then you, that creates a whole slew of things. So accountability is good. Uh, and then also, I think if you don't do it with one person, you can join a community. There are so many like online group courses or, you know, uh, co-working situations where you feel momentum from other people. And the last thing I'll say is it's August. The like the US slash world slumps in August. Like I have a noticeable, like I feel like the world is kind of going through molasses right now. Uh, so unless you're obviously in like a really high stress job, unless you're, you know, all those things, it's just, I think that's always been the natural cycle. So if you're feeling slow now, there's a part of it that's just acknowledging maybe this is also a, a just generally slow part of your year and it would pick up in September and be more realistic about what would you want to do? And maybe your goals in August are not to get a job because maybe people aren't really hiring in August. Maybe your goal is I just want to be prepared to hit the gas pedal in September, but I really want to end August being able to say I spend time with my family. Like that could be a goal that you reshift uh, or you shift in your mindset. I love that. I love that. And uh, Devonay here has also written something interesting. Um, sometimes you need to go moment to moment. Ask yourself, what can I do in this upcoming five minutes to feel better? And repeat multiple times. Focus on gratitude, always knowing when to take a break and give yourself the time to rest. Thank you for putting that in the chat box. Awesome. So um, yeah, you all are super motivating right now. I'm just going to leave a, a, a light pause actually so that people can come off of mute if they want to ask questions or give an anecdote or tell us something that you're thinking as, as these awesome women have been sharing knowledge with us. So I'll just do a light pause and wait for you to take yourselves off of mute. Okay, so then I'll do that again later. I'd just like to give that opportunity for if someone is you know, a little nervous to go on mute in the beginning. Um, so you'll have another chance uh, later on. So be prepared for that. And then until then, let's move on to this next question. Again, if this was your question and you wanna drop uh, more info in the chat box or come off of mute, feel free. So how to pull off a career transition doing, during COVID when networking is all virtual now and you can't just meet recruiters or partners for a coffee, et cetera, anymore. Carly, you wanna take that one? Yeah, I will go back to sort of the first question that was asked, because I think it's a really similar mindset in terms of, you know, how do I stay in touch with my colleagues via Slack was the first question. So the same question applies, meaning how do I, you know, how do I create and maintain relationships when all the existing structures that sort of let me do it without thinking too hard about how that works, you know, when those, when those structures uh, go away sort of in a vacuum, like how do you, now it's on you to really create all those interactions. So again, I would, I would point to those exercises of what do I already do to connect with people? How am I connecting? You know, be, think about how if you're trying to connect with a colleague and that feels challenging, how do you connect with your family or how do you connect to your friends? You know, just because it's a colleague doesn't mean that you can't, uh, you know, play a game of like words with friends even or play a game of tennis or whatever, right? Like again, everything's new. All of this environment is different for people. And when you think about that other exercise of what do what does that other person need, you know, they need different things in this world than they did in our pre-COVID world. They might need more, they might be more willing to go take a walk with you than they were before on a Saturday. 
or they might uh, need a break from their kids and like are thrilled to, to get outside of the house and, and go have like a socially distanced coffee with you. So, you know, do that introspection of how do I already connect with people? How do I, you know, what do I need? Okay, I need new connections or I need connections to, you know, I need my friend to introduce me to this recruiter. And, you know, how can I help the person that's between me and that, that new person? So, so I just spoke a little bit about existing connections. And then I think in terms of new connections, I think we have to get really specific about we, what we need, because I do think because that serendipitous, you know, meeting is less likely to happen right now, unless, you know, environments like this, by the way, these do create serendipitous moments. You guys all showed up today and are here and put yourself in an environment where these types of, this is your question. This is, this is one thing you can do. You can put yourself in these environments that sort of replicate that, that in-person networking or meeting. Um, but I think you have to get really specific in these times about what you need. So if you need to meet a recruiter, if you say, I want to go work at Power to Fly, like I need to go find somebody that works at Power to Fly, then I think you have to really be intentional and say, okay, how do I get to that person? You know, is that a person that would be open to me just emailing them cold? Is there a person at my, you know, an alumni of my college or my old job that now works in at Power to Fly? Like really audit all the people that you know, which Laura referred to earlier as a roster of people. That's really what we recommend. Think about all the buckets that exist in your life. You have not only your current colleagues, your current friends, but you have, Laura's is always my favorite, her volleyball league or your book club or your parents' friends or your friends of friends that you've met a couple times and are more like your acquaintances. We have all these sort of communities of people in our life, like your religious organization, right? Like get really creative. Like how do you know the buckets of people in your life? Who are those buckets? Because those will be the ties that help you introduce you to the people that you want to meet. Because it is not as easy to meet new people right now. I will just, I, for me, it's not. Maybe for other people, this is like an introvert's heaven where you know, you can just cold email and you're not expected to like go in person. Maybe it's easier for some people, um, but for me, it's not. And so I really find myself relying on um, the people that I know more than ever to help me fill the gap of, of how I get from this place to where I want to be. Absolutely. And Laura, did you want to chime in? I see you're writing in the chat box. Yeah, I just put our definition of roster in there. And I think um, there's many, many more categories. I The, the, the thing I was going to say is um, if, if you're also coming at this from the perspective of like, you have to do it right. And you have to, you know, if you're, if you're finding yourself being like, Oh, it's so hard to reach out to two people and they've got to be the right two people. And if I don't do those two people, then I'm not going to move forward. I think that I used to come from a place of like, like I would freeze when I would write an email because I'm like, I can't figure out if I'm writing the right email, if I'm going to say something that's wrong. What if I actually ask someone to get coffee and they don't want to get coffee with me, then I'm back to square one. A week would go by and I'd be like, man, I didn't actually do anything. So I think a paradigm shift that helped me a while ago was to realize two things. One is that I, and Carly really taught me this, but it came also with practice is like getting a lot of no's. So knowing that I might email 10 people and I will get seven people being like, I'm too busy or no responses, or I'm not the right person to help you. Um, but being like, it's kind of like, if you can't go this way, you go this way, but you're still going in the right direction. So still being focused on what you want to accomplish. And then the other thing is, I think there's also a sense of over calculating who's going to help you. And in retrospect, 
most of my job opportunities came through connections I had no intention of actually leveraging for a job. My first job in New York City was, and I say this a lot, my first job in New York City was through a high school friend I had lost touch with, hadn't talked to in seven years, and was just like, hey, I'm coming to New York to look for a job. And he was like, sure, I'll meet with you. By the way, you should meet this friend, Kate. She's connected in startups. And that friend, Kate, got me my job. So I think there's, there's also a sense of like, if you find yourself over calculating, just be like, success is not getting a yes. And like, I, I did the perfect equation. Success is like going out and connecting because that's how opportunities will come. I love that. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. So thank you for having us remember that. Um, and I love that you're also, I mean, so I studied theater and film and I had a, in another life, I lived in Hollywood. I lived in Los Angeles. I was also born in Los Angeles. So I had like this growing up experience and like wor working and auditioning in the TV and film industry. And even then you just, you know, like building up this sense of like, okay, people are going to say no, because it's like, this is what happens. You know, there's so many people going for this role in, in the case of, uh, you know, movies or commercials. Um, and so my follow-up question is going to be, how do you, how do you prepare? So you prepare for those no's, but how does one prepare to like still be kind to themselves uh, as they are collecting, you know, a couple of no's before they get to that big yes? <laughs> I was waiting for Carly to chime in because she's really good at this. I'm chat. I'm chatting in the chat. I have only Okay, I'll do it. So, <laughs> no, no, it's good. We're, we're tag teaming. So, um, I, so the no's, I think I have found that uh, over time, the nose get easier. So it's kind of like almost like, how do you get to the point where the nose get easier? Um, and I think that, uh, so one thing is I, I, when like, again, I like to go to tactics, but one, I, one thing is this like surrounding yourself with people who reinforce you, even when you get an external nose. So like, you know, it might be the type of thing where like, I might, I would, I would go into a meeting for a job interview years ago. And I, um, the, the job interviews when I left feeling kind of icky, or I left feeling like I didn't present myself that well, or I left feeling just off, or like I was questioning things or someone said no or whatever. I found that the times I survived it the best was when I would call like one, I have three older sisters and and I would call one of them and I'd just like tell them what happened and they would reset me or reground me in things of like, this wasn't your opportunity. Let me refocus on why you even went to talk to them. Like, where else could you go? Like, you are a smart person. This, this idea that you're, you know, like they would kind of like counter. So I view it as like, if you have like a mini, like I call them like, I'm right lately I've been calling them my like life, life raft, like pool floats. Like I imagine going through life with my little advisory board of people that are like my, my they bolster me up and they're there when I need them. And it's kind of like having a short list of people that can like pep talk you. Um, so that's one. Uh, and then the other thing is like, I think even putting on a whiteboard or on a post-it note or whatever, like here's my ask and being like, I will ask, you know, 20 people until I get this. And almost putting it already in the in the frame of mind that you're going to get the nose and that's not the point the point is to get to the goal knowing you're going to get nose but doing it ahead of time and being like preempting that you're going to get the nose awesome advice i love that and carly you y'all are blowing up the chat i love it yeah. i want you to <laughs> uh, kt feel free to chime in either on the chat or carly can you just go ahead and uh because i'm sure maybe she's not the only one with this question yeah um, yeah, and I will just I will just add on to that that last question because that is one of my favorite questions. Once I figured out what you were talking about, um, and I totally agree. I I would echo one thing Laura said and add one more. Um, really having people that this is where you have to rely on other people in your life, like having my parents, having my husband, having my best friend, um, just really 
there to empower me is so, so crucial. I sometimes find it even better when they, they're not in the same industry as me because they really can like championing, champion me without with like closing their eyes, you know, and, and then they find like everything so interesting, <laughs> like my best friends in film. Um, and I am obviously not. So we find each other's worlds like so fascinating and there's like absolutely no comparison and we can just like think everything each other does is like so cool and so interesting because it has nothing to do with our day-to-day -day world. So that's definitely tactic number one. And then I think tactic number two is a little bit of compartmentalization. Like if we go back to sort of the way we just suggested how you move forward and setting goals, um, if, if you are just trying, if this is just a means to an end for you, if you're like, I'm just trying to get here and I need these people to help me with something, it becomes less personal because you're just trying to, you're trying to push yourself forward and you just need these people to help push you forward. And if they're not the right people to push you forward, that's fine. You're just like on to the next. So when you think about it as like a goal that you're on a mission to, and these people are just going to help you, you know, get through the mission. They're not like consequential to the mission. They're just, they're just different routes to get there it becomes to me a lot less personal. So that's like a little mind game I play with. Yeah, myself. I was gonna say the analogy that comes to mind is like if you are in New York and you want a road trip to Los Angeles and you're like, you know, relying on other people to get you there and you like go to the bus stop and you're like, hey bus driver, can you take me from New York to Philadelphia? And the bus driver's like, I can't, I'm full. Like I think what we do in our life is we're like, I don't deserve to go to LA. I'm never gonna make it to LA. Like I gotta know, I should just give up now. And then you sit at the bus stop and you're like, man, I just like, I can't believe I did this again. Versus being like, well, that bus is full. Is there another bus? And could I take the train and could I fly? And could I ask this other person and I hitchhike? So I think like even just doing the analogy of like, there's so many ways to get to LA. Like there's so many ways to get a job. There's so many ways to whatever. And I think we so often are like, the minute you hit a roadblock, you're like, this is about me. I'm never gonna get there. So even visualizing that as an analogy, I think helps. Absolutely, absolutely. And as you as you're describing it physically as well, I see them as like roadblocks, but like opportunities to not go down a maybe really dark path that you don't want to even go. So like the no is just you know avoiding all of that. So it's actually like thanks, okay, I'll just keep it moving down the. You know, I got my my board of you know directors friends around me. That's great. It's true. Um, and all when, can I say one last thing? Of all course. of these things are tools. Like, I think Carly and I feel really passionate about this. All of these things are tools that want, like, if you learn to be really good at getting no's and if you learn to find new ways of getting to Los Angeles, let, you have so much more agency over your life. You have so much more ability to deal with hurdles. You have so much less fear of going down a path that someone's making you or making the wrong choice or going down the wrong road or taking the wrong bus because you build resiliency in yourself. So, like, People do this whole thing around like, I'm gonna get a hundred no's. That's, I've never done that. I've collectively obviously gotten a hundred no's since then. But it like, it is such a worthwhile thing to start to become comfortable. Like if you were just like my goal, I'm not gonna do anything else, I'm not gonna get a job. But in August, I'm gonna start to get comfortable with getting no's. It will pay off hugely in your like sanity and in your life. I love that, I love that. Carly, did you wanna chime in? Yeah, no, I was just gonna go to KT's question now. <laughs> but I agree awesome. with that hundred percent. Um, okay. I think maybe having a sales job for a few months was really where I, where I learned that muscle. Um, cause you get a lot of no's in sales. Um, so Katie was asking two different questions and I want to ask her question how she asked it because I think you'll, everybody will hear what I heard in the way she asked her question. So she is an engineer and she has been offered, offered roles to move up. 
Um, but she is eyeing another position that's higher, but she has imposter syndrome a little bit. So, so how do, how do we combat that? And also the second question is, do I even want to go move up a, a level and, and take a new job in like the current environment that we're in that's so stressful? So I think, you know, the second question first, that's a really personal question. I think it's not even worth worrying about the imposter syndrome, worrying about question two, if the answer to question one is no. So, so make sure if you, if you have a couple of questions baked in there, like make sure you order, you answer them in order because you might be creating anxiety for yourself that doesn't even need to be there because you're not even going to get to that point that anxiety creeps in. Um, and number two, so she has been offered, you know, higher positions. So number one, I will just say, KT, it seems to me that yes, you deserve this position if it's being offered to you. Um, but I think the way, I think sometimes what happens with imposter syndrome is we're just missing some information. So that was what I was starting to type to KT in the chat. You know, what do you know about this position? What do you don't know? You know, what do you not know yet? Um, you know, are you nervous about something? Is there information you need about this role? What are the open questions you have? Because I think when you start to answer those questions, then we can, we can sort of move into confidence. We can say, oh, I, I thought this was going to be an issue or, oh, I thought I wasn't going to have these resources. Oh, I thought, um, I thought, you know, the reporting structure was a lot more intense than I did. And so when you actually can just start to answer all the different questions that are outstanding in your head, you, you can get more confident because you know the answers to them. And you can beat imposter syndrome that way with knowledge, with feeling comfortable, with feeling like, oh, okay, I see this, to Laura's visualization, I see this picture, it's painted for me a little bit clearer. And now I can actually, I can see myself in that position when you have all the information. If you don't, then there's a lot of open things that you could, that might not be real, that completely um, scare you. And, and that's just because you're, you're missing some information. Absolutely. And I'm sure that uh, at least a couple of us on the line have felt imposter syndrome at some point in our lives. So feel free to drop some of your um, words of advice or encouragement as well um, so that we can support each other here. We have about 10 minutes left, actually. So I want to make sure that everyone has a chance to, you know, if you are on the call and, and we haven't gotten to your question yet, we will get through a couple more questions, but feel free to take yourselves off of mute now or drop it in the chat box now. Um, and we will wrap up in just about 10 more minutes. So uh, until then, let's move on to this next question. If this was yours, uh, again, feel free to take yourself off of mute. Um, and uh, Laura or Carly, whoever wants to jump into this uh, after I re read it, go for it. So how do you differentiate between a network connection that will be useful and one that won't lead anywhere? I want Laura to talk about weak ties. <laughs> yeah, so if you guys have heard of weak ties, um, go ahead and put that in the chat. Uh, it's so there's a concept of weak ties that is all this concept of like people in your life that you're connected to, connected to but they're not your strongest connections. So it's all the people that maybe, you know, it's, it, if you look back at the definition I put of our roster, it's all the people that you've ever worked with, that you've ever connected to, that are friends of friends, all those people that like you have some form of connection to, but it's not the strongest. And there is a, um, there's like studies done. And I, if I have time before four, I'll drop it in the chat. If I, so it's a good thing where I can we can do it in maybe a follow-up, but there are studies done about how a lot of job opportunities actually are more likely to happen with weak ties than with strong ties. And the analogy I give to this is, uh, you know, 
I talk about like a pie, which actually this is evolving, but I talk about a, a pie. Like if you think about a trivial pursuit, six pieces of the pie, I always talk about like our life experiences kind of represent one sliver of the pie, one slice of the pie of everything that's available. So because of my background, I know about French culture because my dad's French. I know about Michigan. I know about engineering because my undergrad's in that. I know about startups because I worked in that. I know about being a white woman. I know about like, there's a sliver of this stuff. And then there's another piece of the six piece pie that I know through the people I'm connected to. So through, you know, through Carly, I know more about MIT through my sisters. I know I have two sisters in the film industry. So like, you know, I have, I have, I have an, a view of other opportunities. So when I was looking at, when I was leaving the startup world and I was like blank slate, I don't want to do this anymore. So I don't know what's next. What was available to me was those two slivers of the pie. In neither of those two slivers of the pie was an executive coach. That was not even in the realm of my possibility whatsoever that that was a job that was okay. In fact, it was like a, um, a job that was viewed as kind of like hoaxy. And so when I did my search, the, what helped were these weak ties, these people that weren't the strongest, but I'd been somehow connected to. And every time I had a conversation with a weak tie, whether it was like, friend connected me to another friend or I did a thing like this or I went into a community or whatever, it gave me access to the other four pieces of the pie. And so then solutions became available that I just didn't know existed. And, you know, so to bring this back to the question, how do you differentiate between a network connection that will be useful and one that that won't lead anywhere? I'd recommend throwing that question out because they're all useful. And in the sense that it's not, you can't mess it up and you never know what opportunity is gonna come your way. I think that the only caveat, the only like sort of like caveat I would make is like, let's say now in my roster, I actually have a roster. It's like 500 names roughly. I'm not gonna contact and nurture and manage 500 names cause that's not realistic. So I do do an exercise where I'll go back and be like relative to my goals, relative to what I'm going after, who are the top 50 people that I think are gonna be most useful and like, or 25 people. And how can I nurture those relationships? Knowing that if I do that, there's more like, they're most likely gonna be able to connect me to somebody else who's a weaker tie down the road. And the last thing I'll say is even if I don't nurture people, I have learned a lot of tactics of how to reach out to someone cold and it still feels in a very warm way. So there's basically no, like, you don't, you're not like, oh, this is useful, therefore I'll do it. This is not useful, useful. like. You could do that exercise, but I think it's much more around like realizing that the use you're not going to be able to control. Uh, and so being open to the weak ties, basically. I love that. Carly, I see you nodding. Did you want to add on to that? Yeah, I think the only, the only sort of thing I wanted to add on to that was the idea of what useful means. So I think that a lot of times we can also get in our head about like, a, either this is kind of like yucky, I need to like use this person, I need something from them, or um, this person isn't like helpful to me. So like, no, like they're not like directly helping me meet the goal that I that I have. And I think the thing we all need to realize, especially in a time like this, is that we need people to play all sorts of roles in our life. And that's also an opportunity to have a lot of diverse um, nurture activities so that it's not all coffees or all drinks or all whatever. So you need people not only to, you know, I'm doing a job search, I need somebody to connect me to, to you know, somebody at the, the place I want to work. But we also need, um, like, I need people to hang out with in Brooklyn because half my friends have vacated the city. I need people to call when I'm having a bad day. I need people to 
help, you know, proofread something I'm about to, you know, a presentation I'm doing. Like we need people and we need support, I should say, in all different ways in our life. So, you know, I would be really thoughtful about what useful means to you because I bet it means a lot more things if you really think hard about it and, and do some introspection than, than whatever sort of comes to mind immediately. Awesome. And then I just want to flag this quick question here. Uh, Laura, do you have any suggestions for reaching out cold that doesn't, so that it doesn't feel cold? I'm currently digging through my resources. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So I just want to say that we've got about three minutes left. Um, you all will get a rewatch email um, and we'll put some of these fun links in there as well so that you can check them out. Laura will add some cool references as well. I'm the blog post link that she already has in the chat box. We'll include that in the rewatch email. Um, I just wanted to say to tell everyone, thank you. Let's jump right into this great presentation of the crab walk um, that you all have been kind of peppering throughout this hour long chat. Um, so let us know how we can, you know, follow you, get to know more about crab walk, support you all in any way, and also how we can get to um, chat with you offline individually. Um, I'm going to drop my LinkedIn in the chat box as well. So feel free to connect with me. Um, and then Carly and Laura, just uh, take us away. Give us any food for thought as well before we wrap this chat up. Yeah, I will say um, we love communicating via our newsletter and our blog. So if you liked a lot of, in particular, the tactical tips that, that Laura in particular gave and, and that I added on to, um, check out our blog because there's a lot of articles that I think you will recognize now, some of the language that we're using, if any of that was helpful to you on nurturing or how to identify people in your life or how to set a goal when like everything is in pure chaos. Um, so we are obsessed with just actually um, making sure that we're not just talking about things, but we're helping you do and, and do activities. Um, so that is what you will find if you come to our website and our blog. And then our newsletter also shares that stuff um, on a regular basis. So we'd love to hear you there. And then I will plug Laura because um, she's a fantastic coach. And if you're looking for um, a career business coach, if you're even just wondering what coaching is about, um, Laura is, in my opinion, the, one of the best people you can find for that. So she, Thanks, she coaches Carly. me all the time. So that's so nice. Oh, um, Thanks, Carly. I was also going to say in the last 10 seconds, and I'll, I'll put it back. We just wrapped up um, a five-week accountability program. It was free, except a $25 donation for charity. Um, we're going to, uh, we're on hold for August because um, just Carly and I are taking some time off, but we're probably going to relaunch it in the fall. And we also have a five-week program that's more structured, that's more, uh, has more coaching involved, that's a paid program. We, it's still up in the air on the timing of everything, but you're, if you're interested in just kind of keeping in the loop of that stuff, I would sign up for our newsletter and then you'll let, we'll let you know when that stuff is getting pinned down. Um, and also email us if you're like, this would be helpful or if you guys have individual questions, because we love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank both of you. I would, I'm just going to ask if you can take us away with just something to keep in mind, something that we can just kind of refer to um, just to keep our hopes up and to keep us, you know, uh, listening to ourselves and all these things that you have walked us through this last hour so that if we feel a little overwhelmed or if we feel, you know, lost in, in all of this chaos that's happening now, can you just leave us with a couple of words uh, to uh, food for thought or words to keep in mind? Yeah. Um... Two things. One, I always recommend when you do these kinds of calls, when I do these kinds of calls is, and we do them on our accountability, is to like take a minute and be like, what's one thing I took out of this call that I can act on the next week? 
like uh, everything else was osmosis. It's going to be floating in there. It'll surface later, but just take like a couple of minutes after this call. Like what's one thing I took from this call that I can act on and you'll leave feeling like, okay, this is actually moving me forward and you'll have some momentum versus feeling like I just took a page of notes and I got to do something with it and it's adding to it. So trust that you got it. Another thing is gratitude. I get bogged. I got bogged down this morning on a bunch of drama and a bunch of random stuff. And it, it took me like calling my sister again and resetting of just like gratitude of how much stuff is good. Cause I think so often, especially when you're not like moving around, you can, I can feel like I'm in a bubble and gratitude just helps reset of like, Oh, there's bigger stuff out there and I'm incredibly lucky for a lot of the stuff I have and that helps mentally. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Laura. Carly. Yeah. The, the thing I would say is um, part of why we do what we do at crab walk is we don't want people to feel alone. Um, the roster exercise helps you identify that you have a lot more people in your life than you may come to mind. Um, if you just sort of rely on your mind and not write the stuff down. So um, I would sort of ask everybody, you know, the next time you have a sort of down moment or an anxiety moment or an overwhelm moment, think like, you know, who can, who can help me get out of this? Who can I call to change my mindset or help me answer this open question or just, you know, just listen to me for 30 seconds because guaranteed there is somebody on your roster that will. And this is a tough time right now for, for everybody. Yes, great words, both of you. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us for this past hour. Um, this is going to go live on Power to Fly, uh, so you can rewatch this after you receive the email. And we'll see you on the next Chat and Learn. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Mariella. Bye. Great Thanks, everyone. Hi.